Welcome to the Off Your Ass and Out of Your Head podcast. I'm your host, Diana Ricciardi. And here we crush all the BS that's left you stuck in the same spot month after month, year after year. We are going to shift your mindset, get up, get moving, and get inspired so we can rewire the neural pathways in your brain and change the way you act, think, and feel. You are in the right spot if you're frustrated that your mind seems to be behaving as your worst enemy, and you are exactly where you need to be if you often feel anxious and unknowingly feed into self-sabotaging behaviors. You are here because you are ready to get off your ass, out of your head, and experience life. Let's start squeezing all the goodness out of what this world has to offer through fun, travel, food, and love. Are you with me? Let's dive in. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. I am so happy to be here with you to talk to you about the things I'm about to talk to you about. Sorry if I sound a little sick, but it's because I'm sick. Um, Today, I'm going to talk to you about, oh wow, I didn't, hey, I didn't even do this on purpose. The things I learned from being sick my whole life. (laughs) The mind does weird things. Um... Yeah, except not this kind of sick. Today, luckily, I'm just here with a cold, but I'm going to talk to you about the things that I learned from being sick from ages 7 until 28 with undiagnosed autoimmune issues and still some issues that I'm actually unsure of. They're still undiagnosed. However, um, what I do know is that I have something called small fiber neuropathy, And it is a nerve disease that can honestly cause pain from head to toe. It's almost like having nerve damage in various parts of your body. Most people get like severe pain attacks that um, affect usually the peripherals like your um, hands and feet and arms and legs. Mine was in my legs. That's where it started. I remember laying in my mom's bed because whenever I was in a lot of pain, I would go and complain and lay in her bed. I was about seven years old and I wouldn't be able to explain the pain. I would just say my legs hurt again. And she knew what that meant because I was going through this for so long, but we didn't know what the pain was. And I didn't really know how to describe it. I didn't know that this is not what growing pains are supposed to feel like, you know? So I would just lay there hour after hour in so much pain and I would literally meditate. I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but I would meditate until I saw like all these colors, which which sounds absolutely insane, but it's true. I would look up at the ceiling and I would eventually see all these colors and it would relax me and it would put me to sleep. And as I got older, the pain attacks became much more serious and the pain can be like super burny or super... um It's hard to explain, but the best way that I always described it was like there was a little man. I have to do a drawing of this. There's a little man inside my legs, like near my hip flexors and near my knees, but also in like my thighs. Actually, it was the whole, it was pretty much the whole leg, but um, there was like a little man in there twirling my, my tendons around like spaghetti. He's Italian. It felt like something was pulling on the inside. The pain was coming from so deep that I could never actually get to it. And when I would have these bouts of pain, I would end up in the hospital for um, days or weeks and the pain medication wouldn't even touch the pain. Like it would maybe make me a little calm for a few minutes, but um, 
other than that, it really did nothing. I would also feel continuous um, burning all over my skin and like I was bruised all over and no one could touch me. It almost felt like my skin was raw. And this all happened um, when I was in college and in my residency as a funeral director and in Bomber. That's going to be a whole new episode, don't you worry. So prior to that, I was in um, elementary school. I was in middle school. You might have heard me talk about this on um, another podcast, but I'm just going to go into um, the specifics again. So I have it on my own podcast and I guess this is a good episode to do it. So when I was in elementary school, everyone just thought that my backpack was too heavy because I was super small. But my legs and my knees would always hurt. I would always have to sit out on drama practice and I would always have to sit out on um, the dances and gym class. And I didn't realize that I like wasn't normal. I just thought that I just have back pain like every other American or something, you know, like everyone complains about back pain. I was like, oh, this is just me at seven years old. Like, I'm just going to accept this. And um, it continued into high school. I would always be sitting out and I love to dance. I didn't want to sit out, but I would have to ice my knees. And I just thought that I was like weak. And I guess I don't have as much endurance as everybody else or something. And then in college, when I started really getting these pain attacks and getting hospitalized over and over again and getting no answers, I was really confused because at this point I was positive that something was wrong. There's no way that you can be hospitalized 15 times, not being able to walk, pain medication not working, and all the tests come back negative and they tell you that you're crazy. There's no freaking way that I was buying that. I knew that I had pain. I knew that it was real. And no matter how much your mindset can alter your pain state, which is a real thing, you know when something is wrong with your body. And I fucking knew that something was wrong with my body. But it wasn't until long that doctors started referring me out to psychiatrists because they thought that I was making it up or they thought that it was in my head. And that was probably more painful than anything, honestly. So during my residency, I finally got an appointment with someone in Columbia University. And I had a conversation with the doctor and he asked me, how often are you in pain? And I was like, well, besides the, um, you know, normal aches and pains of every single day, I guess it's just my, you know, when I have my episodes and he was like, what do you mean the normal pains of every single day? You're 19 years old. You shouldn't have pain every single day in any capacity. And I was like, what? This was... This was a mind-blowing moment for me. I think I was, I don't remember if I was silent on my way home or if I couldn't stop talking about it, but all I know is that I was just mind-blown and couldn't believe what I was just told. I was like, wait, there are people walking around out there who just get up out of bed without aches and pains without having to stretch and gear themselves up for the day and exert an exuberant amount of energy for just daily tasks like walking from the bed to the bathroom and brushing your teeth and going to the bathroom and getting ready. That shouldn't exhaust me. It was absolutely crazy. I don't know if it was good crazy or bad crazy to have this realization, but I was mind blown. Anyway, after college, I kind of went on a doctor rampage. Whenever I wouldn't feel comfortable with one or one told me that I was crazy, I would just go to another one. I would go to another one. I would go to another one. My, all of my weekends were consumed with doctor's appointments and I made this my life. And I am happy that I was proactive. There were times where I would just get so down that I would give up on doctors for 
months and I just wouldn't go to, I wouldn't see anybody, but I was definitely proactive about my healing. However, it took me a long ass time to try something new. I kept on operating from the same level of understanding that I was at in the beginning by going to doctor after doctor after doctor and thinking that this one might be able to help me, this one might be, which, hey, absolutely, keep meeting new people, keep telling your story. If you're not being heard, if the doctors aren't listening to you, go see somebody else. However, also try something different. You can't only rely on the fact that maybe one day a doctor will take you seriously. You have to take proactive steps in your own healing as well. That goes for physical health, it goes for mental health. But congratulations, you're here. So after years and years and years of doctor appointment after doctor appointment, I finally found a doctor, a neurologist that... um kind of specializes in these these obscure autoimmune diseases. So I waited, I think, about seven months to get an appointment with him. And during the first appointment was the first test that he gave me that he said wasn't normal. And he did it right away. And all it was was a tuning fork on my knee and a tuning fork on my foot. And he said, where do you feel this more? And I don't remember where I felt it more, but wherever I felt it more was wrong. So he said, okay, that this is a nerve issue. So we did a spinal tap, we did um, a skin biopsy, and no doctor wanted to give me a spinal tap for years because they didn't think it was necessary. And I wanted to test my spinal fluid. I needed to know if something was going on deeper that they were overlooking because the spine is no fucking joke. If that's not healthy, your body isn't healthy. It is your, it is I was just going to say, it's the backbone of life. It's literally your backbone. When you say that metaphorically, like that's why you say it metaphorically. It, It holds everything. If you're the backbone of an operation, you are the foundation. And if the foundation isn't built or maintained properly, you're not going to survive. Or should I say you're not going to thrive? So I needed to know if there was something wrong with my spinal fluid. This doctor finally did it and it came back. There was nothing wrong with my spinal fluid, which was an excellent, excellent thing to hear. Then we did a skin biopsy. We did one on my hip and we did one on my ankle. And that came back positive for small fiber neuropathy. And I was so happy. I know that sounds so weird. And if you don't have an undiagnosed illness, I'm sure that sounds masochistic. Is that the word? Masochistic. It makes me sound like a masochist. But um, no, hearing that you're not crazy after how many years? Seven, eight, 21. I'm really bad at math, guys. 21 years of searching is an over flooding of emotions. I mean, I was angry. I was happy. I was just ready, ready to kick this thing's ass. And at this time, I was honestly at my lowest, my lowest with my health. I was spiraling into um, just staying in bed all day. The pain brought on depression. The depression brought on pain. My thoughts couldn't have been more negative. And my current business as a lash artist was suffering. I was so full. I was so fully booked and I was so grateful for my clients. And I was so terrified that I would have to tell them that I couldn't, that I needed a break, that I um, couldn't do this at the capacity, at the speed that I was currently doing it. I was so afraid that I would lose everybody. But when I didn't put my health first, I crashed. 
we don't have to get to rock bottom to realize that we need help, to realize that we need to take action and to do it. But some people need that push. Some people need that kick in the ass to get off their ass. And I was one of those people at that point. Not anymore because I will never accept feeling that way again. I'll never accept anything less than feeling as good as I possibly can in that moment. We're not going to be happy all the time. I can't expect to feel bliss all the time. But I have a knowing that I'm taking care of my body in a way that when it needs rest, it needs rest. It's not because I'm mistreating it. So the end of this story and the big finale is probably the shortest and most simple part of it. I watched a documentary and was taught the correlation between gut health, autoimmune disease, and a plant-based diet. I tried a plant-based diet. Three weeks later, I felt fan-fucking-tastic. About three weeks after I gave up all animal products, I started waking up with no pain. The pain that radiated from my the bottom of my skull, down my neck to my shoulders and into my arm every single day, down my scapula, my shoulder blade, and into my lower back, like that, that shit was gone. And my partner at the time said, you know, you haven't complained about pain in like two weeks. And I was like, I know, don't, don't tell it though. It, it might hear you, <laughs> and uh, but it continued, and for a while, I would go like 50-50, 50% of the time with some pain, and 50% of the time without, it would come and go, and then it just got less and less, and now I can really pinpoint that my pain comes on when I'm stressed, it comes on when I'm sick, it comes on when I'm not listening to my own boundaries or my body, it comes on when I am not stretching, and moving my body, and it comes on if I drink alcohol. I I don't drink anymore, and not because I had any sort of an issue other than it making me feel like shit, but I completely gave it up. Um, I probably had maybe two glasses of wine in the past year, and actually on my 30th birthday, I had about four sips, and the next day, I can't even tell you how shitty I felt, and I was like, that is it. Nothing is ever worth sacrificing your the way that your body feels. So that is the physical part of me healing my symptoms. And then there was a whole other mess, a whole other web to untangle with the mental part, with um, the way that my mind was wired over the years from living in a constant state of physical pain. You're only surviving at that point. And everybody deserves to live their best life. Nobody should just be living their life just to get by or just to survive. So that's when I realized that my negative thoughts still had a complete and total impact on my life and I needed to change that shit up or I was gonna be a slave to my own mind forever. And I just wasn't cool with that. So I started working on myself, a lot of personal development, working on my limiting beliefs, my fears, my the things that I learned from my family when I was young that I thought were absolute truth that could be truth for them but aren't necessarily truth for me. I had to create my own world because I didn't even know who I was outside of being sick. I didn't even know how I thought I had people taking care of me a lot my whole life, and that's not who I am. I'm a very independent person. I have a very, very independent mind and very independent beliefs, and I have such a zest for life that I need to create it, and I couldn't wait to create it, but I didn't have the energy or the capacity in my body to create it, but I finally did, and I needed to change my mindset in order to do that as well. So this past year and a half has been... Has it been two years? 
It's been a year and a half. March 2018 is when I began this whole journey. And I'd say that I really dug deep into the mindset stuff that August or September. So let me get into the actual things that I learned while being sick for 21 years. It starts out with the fact that you will lose some people. You will lose some people in your life. It doesn't mean that they're bad people, but not everybody understands. And even if they do understand, I'm sure none of this is meant to be malicious. But after you say no 20 times to going out, six months in a row, you might not feel like going out. And whenever somebody asks, they hear no, no, no. You're, you kind of rewire their brain too to learn that you are not somebody who wants to go out. So they might not realize that you want to say yes on time 21. So what would have been good for me is to probably let people know just that. And I think that I would have if I had realized it, but I didn't know my own body back then. I didn't even realize what was happening in my own body. So it was hard for me to dictate it to other people, but it definitely would have been helpful probably to say to some people like, listen, I know that I say no a lot to going out, but keep asking, just keep asking. Let me know where you're going because one of these days I'm gonna be really into it. (laughs) But on the flip side, you will also learn who your real friends are real fast especially when you're laid up in a hospital bed for two and a half weeks and your best friend comes and brings you the church wafers, like the host, because she knows that you like how they taste. And then you sit there and you eat them because you're both weird. (laughs) It's exactly what it sounds like. Also, it would have been really helpful if I had known how to protect my own energy. Because being in a state of pain all the time, you could be the most high vibe person. I was so bubbly. If if somebody met me, that's how they would describe me, bubbly. But I was aching inside all the time from physical and mental freaking anguish. And that's the energy that I was giving off, whether I liked it or not, like deep down. So I found myself connecting with a lot of low vibe people because misery loves company. That is so true because when you don't have anywhere, you feel like you don't have anywhere to go, but down, you find other people who understand and you find other people who feel like they have nowhere to go, but down. And then also after being so negative all the time, because you could be bubbly to somebody that you just met really easily, but it's really, really simple to slip into states of misery with the people that you're closest with. So the high vibe people after a while, aren't going to want to stick around either. So it was really important for me to be aware of my energy coming and going, the energy around me and the energy that I was emitting. And I didn't always do that. And I'm sure that that aided in a lot of my pain. Number three, is it number three? I don't know, they're mishmashed, but we don't have to let, another bullet, next bullet point. I needed a higher level of understanding, not just of my disease, not of my pain, not of my relationships, but of life. I needed something to grasp onto. I'm not a religious person. I consider myself very spiritual. I think that everybody, I'm not religious, but I can, I'm very spiritual. I feel like everybody says that, but for real, I, um, I'm a very, I know that I am a godly being, um, but I am not a part of any church per se, but I needed a higher understanding of life. I needed something to grasp onto that was solid, that kept me here, that kept me going, that kept me um, knowing that there was something on the other side of this. And that really ties into the mental work. That's when I started getting into neuro-linguistic programming and subconscious brain rewiring and meditation and 
um, aerial yoga, which was the first workout. And still to this day, really the only workout that I love because it's low, it's no impact. You're hanging from the ceiling. You're literally doing workouts when you're upside down decompressing your spine. So it's incredible for what I need. And it has served me very well over the last year and a half. And once you gain a higher level of understanding about life, you discover new things. You discover new things that your body needs. You connect with other people that are on your level and beyond your level because they've been where you are. And just because you're not technically there yet where you might perceive some of your peers to be or some of the people that are teaching you, you're still vibing with them because you're on the same path. You can still be behind somebody on a path and vibe with them because you're on the same path. Does that make sense? I always picture whenever I hear somebody talking about a path, I always picture like this yellow brick road in the middle of like a really tall forest. I don't know. I don't know why that's my version of a path. I'm a very visual person. So gaining that deeper understanding of life really made me gain a deeper understanding of myself. What I also learned was that I needed to be in that state to get to where I am today. I don't think I needed to be in 21 years of it. I think that my stubborn mind didn't want to try a plant-based diet for a long, long time when I knew that I wasn't feeding my gut healthy things. I think that I could have done this a lot sooner. However, I don't beat myself up for that at all. This was my journey. This was my time. And here we are. And I'm on my way to living my best life now. So, but I do realize that I would not be where I am today, eating a plant-based lifestyle, traveling, working two businesses if I didn't go through all that I went through. Or maybe I did need to be in it that long because my anxiety got to such a point in the last three years that I was feeling really shitty. It got so high that I didn't know how to deal with it. And if it hadn't gotten that bad, maybe I wouldn't have seeked out answers for my anxiety because I was just, I've, I've always lived with anxiety since I was a child and everyone in my family lives with anxiety. It's, it's perceived as normal. Maybe I would have never realized the help that I actually need if I didn't stay in that state for as long as I did. So whatever, here we are. Huh, look at that. I just had a breakthrough with you guys. Another thing that being sick gave me was the balls to say absolutely not to the 70 hour work week that I was working when I was 19. Like I said, I was a funeral director, I was an embalmer, and the weeks would be anywhere from 50 to 70 hours plus being on call. And I was not cool with working a doctor's hours with a first year's teacher's salary. And even though I went to school for a couple of years for it and I worked my ass off to get there, I was okay with walking away because it was taking such a toll on my health mentally and physically. So I did that for about a year and a half before I said, absolutely not. I refuse to be as miserable as all the people that I see in the field who have been in it for 15 years because they're a slave to the job. On top of having this pain that I know is not normal and being sick and in the hospital all the time and being face to face with a lot of corpses that I believe is what gave me a lot of these illnesses and the chemicals certainly couldn't have helped. Releasing that job really gave me the security the knowing that I can say goodbye to anything not serving me. And I I bartended for a couple years, a handful of years after that, actually. And 
I made more money doing that than I did funeral directing. It wasn't exactly the highest vibe. I didn't like it. However, it's what I needed at the time. And I was good at it. So it was good for the time being. But again, when that stopped serving me, it was goodbye. I got to a point where I really hated being in bars and settings like that, especially for 10 hours straight. I did have some fun times, but it just was never me at my core. So I remember being so disheartened, always hearing that I would eventually have to conform to societal norms in order to be successful. And not only do you hear it from society, I saw it in my household because I saw my mom be the hardest working person that I've ever met. I saw my grandfather work until he was 70, until he got sick, but I still saw them not making enough money to get by. And you see this in most blue collar families, which is crazy. You work 40, 50, 60 hours a week, you work to live, but then you find out that you can't actually live because you're living to work. What is that? I'm watching my family bust their ass every single day and it's still not enough. I don't understand. There's no way that I can bust my ass harder than that, feeling the way that I do. That's the way that I would feel when I was like 10, 11 years old. So imagine how detrimental that was to my money mindset. Cue more subconscious brain rewiring. Thank you, neurolinguistic programming. I'll also do a whole other episode explaining neurolinguistic programming and my experience. Anyway, the point is that I always knew better for my body. I wouldn't accept, I would have conversations with my mom and I'd be like, I'm not going to, you know, do, I'm not going to do that. I am not working 50 hours a week. I'm just not doing it the way that I feel. I want to enjoy my life. And she'd be like, well, you know, either figure something out or, or, you know, that's just life. That's what you do. Like that's, that's what everyone does. You work really hard. So you make enough money to get by. But I knew that was not acceptable. I knew that there were other people out there working less and making more. So I learned really quickly that that was going to be my life instead. I always had the mindset that I would work for myself, probably because I got fired from every job because I would be calling out so much. And I knew that I was not going to be working 60, 70 hour weeks forever. And this all moves into my next point that I just, which I think I actually already said. And this just goes back to releasing everything not serving me. And going further into things not serving you, just because something isn't toxic doesn't mean that it's serving you. Again, you don't have to be at rock bottom to heal yourself, and you don't have to be in a toxic situation to leave. You can leave because it's not serving your highest good. It can be good in so many ways, but if it doesn't light you up, and if it doesn't align with your highest dreams and goals, or it's not working to at least get you there, let it go. If it's taking a toll on your health, let it go. Your mental health, your physical health, let it go. It's not worth it. Nothing is fucking worth your health. Because once you let that go, there's nothing left. I decided a long time ago that I am not available for mediocre shit. I am not available for anything that doesn't light me the fuck up. I had just spent 20 years bowing to my leader, which was my sickness, and I am not about to do the same for any human being, for any job, for any circumstance, because fuck that, I'm ready to live and I would be foolish not to take every opportunity that makes me feel good because I was denied those good feelings for so long and I don't need excuses anymore to feel good. I feel like a lot of times we feel like we have to earn our happiness. We feel like we have to go through some shit in order to relax, in order to take a breath or in order to, um, you know, take a day off even. And 
if being sick taught me one thing, it's that we only have now to live. You can wait until you feel like you deserve it, but when is that going to be? We forget that life is our birthright. Everything here available to us is our birthright, and we have every right to experience everything right in front of us. What do you have to do in order to feel comfortable having fun? Figure it out and get it together because you deserve it. (laughs) I don't mind saying no, and I don't mind saying yes. And having the power to choose based on your own emotions and not somebody else's gives you so much freedom in every aspect of your life. Jobs, relationships, you stop caring about other people's opinions because you're so happy with yourself, with your center, your core. You just know that you're making the right decision for you. And if you're making the right decision for you, how can that be bad? How can that be wrong? It literally can't be. Keep in mind, you can't pour from an empty cup. So if you're the type of person that likes to help people, make sure that you're filling up your own cup before you do so. I know people who run around all day long doing shit for other people, and then then at the end of the day, they're exhausted, and they're kind of pissed off that they've done all of this for somebody else, and they feel empty. They literally feel empty because they're pouring, 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 and not filling. This is so important. So that's actually all I have written down for my bullet points. And I'm sure that I'm going to come up with 15 more um, and wish that I put them in this podcast. But I guess that's just an excuse for part two. Thank you so freaking much for being here. I am so glad that we got to connect today. If this episode resonated with you, screenshot it, share it on your social media. Give me a shout out. I would love to hear what you loved about it. Keep healing. Keep being amazing. And I will see you very soon.